Hey guys, it's Carly. And this is Jade. Welcome to Mommy's Tell All. Today, we are going to talk with someone who has come so highly recommended by our listeners, Jennifer Anderson. I keep wanting to say Anderson. <laughs> Jennifer Anderson. She's a dietitian and mom who founded Kids Eat in Color, where she shares guides to help your picky children try new foods. Children are just so picky. It's so hard. How do you feed them? Bella doesn't even want to eat anymore. It's so stressful. Oh, what do you want for lunch? Nothing. Bella, what do you want for dinner? Nothing. That's what she says all day. She says nothing? (laughs) Nothing. She wants nothing. That's so funny. I know. I I feel like this is going to be a good episode because... Every parent, I feel like their kid goes through this stage at some point where either they don't like textures or they just look at a food and they say no, or they only want to eat two things every single day over and over and over and over. And then they change their mind. And then you have to start over and try to figure out what they want next for those two things. And so... I'm really excited because Jennifer has dedicated her whole Instagram and like her passions to this. And so we can find out like, please give us all the good tips. I know. I really need them because Bella is almost on hunger strike right now. It's (laughs) so, it's so bizarre Uh, anyway, but you know, who's probably not on hunger strike you because you're pregnant and, and eating is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I am in the part of pregnancy where I'm not on hunger strike. Good. Yes. Because obviously first trimester, I was super sick. And then third trimester, your baby is like pushing onto everything. So you feel like your tummy or your stomach is literally in like your lungs. Right. You can't fit anything. you, You can't eat. People, that's the misconception. People think that pregnant women just want to go eat like a, like a Big Mac and fries and, and all this stuff, which Mm. does happen. But once you're in that third trimester and you're so uncomfortable, there's nowhere for that Big Mac to fit. You're totally right. Where does it go? (laughs) You're totally right. Because your baby is taking up all the space. At least for me. You still laugh because I order like I'd way over order and then I'd eat like three bites and be like, Oh no, I'm so full. And he's like, you know, you say that every time. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's true though. We may like over order cause our brains and our like hormones are like, Oh yes. yeah, that sounds so good. But then you can't eat it, especially for us. Cause we're petite. Like I'm five, three, I don't have a lot of room. Maybe for like all those like six foot moms out there, you might be in luck. You might have more room for your stomach and bless Maybe. you. You get to eat that Big Mac, but that'd be so nice. <laughs> mm, a Big Mac sounds good. It is not gluten free at all, but Ooh, I remember those Big Macs. <laughs> Are you craving uh, anything right now? I've been craving cherries. I posted it on oh. my Instagram the other day, but I've been eating cherries almost every day. Cherries are delicious. They're I, like, I just, they're like supposed to be calming or something to it. You're supposed to eat cherries before you go to sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. It's supposed to be like, it's supposed to help you have a good night's sleep. It's supposedly they say. Oh, did you know that? I guess the pits, the pits of cherries are actually like poisonous. What? I don't know. I only know is don't things? eat the pits. <laughs> That's crazy. Did you watch Ozarks? Ozark, whatever. I did. I think maybe, but I can't. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's how Darlene kills her husband. She grinds up a bunch of cherry pits. Isn't I can't that how she remember. Kills it was him? so long ago I that I watched remember. that. I'm making things up. <laughs> uh, can we also talk for a second about poisonous things? This isn't poisonous, but the other day, this is way off topic. The other day I heard this thing outside go ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And I took Charlie downstairs and we were investigating and a bird had gotten stuck 
in the air conditioning unit and was dead going boom, 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 boom. And I walked back upstairs. I was like, that was so terrible. I walked back upstairs and felt something on my leg and I had either been stung or bit by something while I was watching this bird be dead. And it hurt so bad and swelled up so bad. And I was so thankful that it didn't happen to Charlie and it happened to me, but it was so horrible. Like that was also in my no good, very bad week. (laughs) I also got stung or bit by something really terrible and almost. Did you figure out what it was? No, I couldn't find it. I ended up like when I walked inside, I felt something like stabbing me. And so I just like ripped off my pants, but I'd never saw anything in my pants. So I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I mean, it swelled up bad and hurt all day. It was intense. It's okay now. It's okay now, but it was like not great. Not a great day. Cause that makes me think of if you were like in a dark, dusty area, it makes me think of either a black widow, which would make you kind of have stop. Well, I just think of spiders (sighs) or a brown recluse, which both like a black widow would give you more like flu like symptoms. Oh God. But a black widow, it like deteriorates your skin. It just looked like it looked like I had been stung. Like there was like a one central like thing. But my mom was like, you need to start putting like some type of antiseptic or something on that because it looks like it's going to get infected. I was like, this is terrible. Like what is this week? (laughs) But anyway, that I don't know why poisonous cherry pits made me think of the, (laughs) well, I mean, I guess like a poisonous, a poisonous insect (laughs) attacked you. Oh man. But life. So let's see here. I am. Well, these always record early, but right now I'm like almost 26 weeks. Gosh, this time has flown. Which is crazy because now I'm getting closer to the third trimester, which really freaks me out that this baby's coming soon. It feels like it's really speeding up and I'm just not prepared. What I'm could just, you do to get yourself more prepared? Like, do you mean like mentally or yes, like this mentally? Okay. Well, phys- okay. I mean like, um, uh, like maybe I don't have a lot of things for this baby right now, but also we also have a lot of things. So I haven't been doing a lot of buying or shopping, Yeah, but I have time for that. I feel still, um, yeah. but it's just mentally preparing that I'm going to have a three-year-old and a 15 month old and a newborn. And, you know, and just like thinking about those days and how I'm, I've just a bit, I've totally accepted the fact that I'm going to have to baby wear this baby literally yeah. everywhere. Yeah. That's true. And it's also just thinking about the recovery because I'm trying to recover while having all that going on. But you know what? You are Wonder Woman. So you're going to be great. You're going to do great. <laughs> Uh, I barely survived too. So, but I do, like I told you, we've talked about it on this podcast this whole season. I feel is I feel so much like in a better mental space that I feel like I can handle it. But I'm also thinking a lot lately about delivery and what happens if I have another fast delivery and just with COVID and all that junk and just trying to like prepare myself mentally for that because say I have this baby at home. I was telling Tanner this say, cause my, my doctor and my midwives are all saying that this baby's going to come faster. Oh my gosh. And I had Brooks, <laughs> I had Brooks in like 60, 65 minutes. Oh my gosh. So say I have like a 40 minute labor, right. Oh, and dude. delivery and say, I have the baby, say I, I have the baby at home. Then can my midwife come to my house? 
and just like do all the checkups on me and uh, on the baby and make sure everything's fine. And if we're fine, then we just get to stay home. Or do I have to somehow, do I call an ambulance and they drive us there? Or do I somehow oh like gosh. pack myself up after shooting a baby out of my vagina and oh my pack gosh. up my tiny little baby and drive to the hospital? And then do we oh have to gosh. like sit in the ER because we have to get COVID tests? Oh my gosh. And so... <laughs> It's almost a lot right now. It is a lot. So I think about that. And then I'm like, well, and then what if I drive, what if I go into labor, we get in the car immediately and then I have to wait for my COVID test and I just like deliver and triage. Like, I don't want to deliver and triage. There's no way that if you're in the middle of a baby coming out of your vagina, they'd be like, let me put a stick up your nose. I don't think there's no way. I don't think, yeah, I think you have to pass it to be able to go to labor and delivery. That's like the protocol right now. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Or you don't have to pass, but they have Keep to that. know Can if you you're negative or positive. Can you just hold for just a second, Jade? Let me stick this thing up your nose. What? Yeah, so it makes me just get that natural instinct that I get and just be like, I'm just going to go birth it, birth my baby in a field and y'all can just suck it. <laughs> oh my God, you have this every, this is so funny. I feel like, you have this every time you're like, I'm just going out into a field. <laughs> like you become mother earth goddess. Uh, well, it really does take over. I become like lizard, lizard brained. Wait, what because, does that mean? Well, so this is, this is like really cool science behind pregnancy. But as you get closer to delivering your baby, um, when you're pregnant, your, uh, Sarah, it's your cerebrum, right? Your cerebrum is the front part of your brain, the top part of your mm-hmm. brain where all of your cognitive thinking and your emotions and your personality and all that lies, it will shrink. It starts to shrink and your cerebellum, which is all of your natural, like your, where you're breathing, um, your body temperature, where, uh, your heartbeat, like all those things that your body does on its, that are involuntary happen that so we can be alive, it starts to grow. And that's where all of our instincts lie. So it literally starts growing to make a mother start to hone in and think about instinctually protecting their baby. Wow. So it's like science is cool. It's so cool. Like where our bodies literally prepare us to become more like wild creatures really to protect our young from the outside, um, things that could, I guess, get to our child. So I'm in this like instinctual, like I feel, I feel more like a mother wolf or something. <laughs> oh yes. I you know? like and, it. Like, I'm going to have my cub and I need to protect my cub. And one of those things really is just like, I want to like, my body just wants to be instinctual and just birth on its own. I feel, which I know is not, it's not a great, you know, modern medicine is there for a reason. So obviously I'm not insane where I would just like go out and actually birth in a field, but my instincts are like pumping through my veins telling me to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, enough about me and my weird lizard brain. Let's get Jennifer on so we can actually talk about things that other moms probably want to hear about, which is how to help our picky toddlers and babies actually eat nutritious meals. Yes. Let's get her from a virtual green room. All right, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. We have had so many people beg for you to come on our show. They, I mean, forever. 
Oh my like, God. We're so excited you're on. I love that so much. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Carly and I are, uh, we have toddlers ourselves. And so we are currently dealing with oh. all the picky eater problems. Oh yeah. Uh, our daughters are very independent little girls who know what they want. And, and sometimes yeah. like what Carly's dealing with right now, they literally want nothing to eat. Yeah. She wants nothing. Right. right. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's a toddler for you. I mean, what more could they give you than the gift of, I am fully in charge of my body and I will starve myself. <laughs> oh yeah. She, she really, I was telling uh, Jade that she's like on hunger strike. I'm like, yeah. Oh, what do you want for lunch? Nothing. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> Mommy, nothing. Like, okay. <laughs> well, you're going to eat something. So I guess I'm just going to choose. Right. Um, so what made you, how did you get here? What made you focus on picky eaters? Like, I know you have children. Was one of them super picky? Like, how did this come to be your passion? Yeah. So my first son actually began to not gain weight appropriately. And he, he began to kind of fall off the growth chart. And I realized in that moment, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a dietitian. My kid isn't supposed to have eating problems. And at that moment, I thought, okay, I need to really beef up my knowledge and expertise in feeding children. And he actually was not a picky eater, but I had to learn all of the parenting techniques, all the evidence-based feeding techniques needed to feed a child who didn't want to eat enough. And that can be really, it's scary, it's complicated. And I thought, wow, feeding kids is tricky. And then my second child turned out to be selective in his food choices and also very opinionated about what he wanted. And I was glad that I had a framework in place at that point, because otherwise I would have really not known what to do with him. And I think he'd be in a very different place with eating than he is right now. Man, it's so crazy. It's so crazy how kids are just so different. Yeah. So Some true. kids love to eat. Like I had a friend over and she said, she was watching Bella say, I don't want anything. She said, that's so crazy because like my daughter wanted everything. Like she couldn't, she wouldn't stop eating. I'm like, ah, can't I just have a little bit of that? I know. I know. Can can we just spread this out? Like, why is this so complicated? Right. Yes. It's so complicated. (laughs) Or they Um, change out of nowhere. Emerson, she was such a great eater until she was about 15 months. I want to say 18 months. And then she went from eating every single thing that I would give her to eating only like five things. Right. Or like one day they love blueberries and the next day they're like, I hate blueberries. You're like, what? <laughs> right. What do you mean you hate them? You just ate like a full bowl of them yesterday. This makes no sense. And you're like so proud of yourself that they actually ate something really good and they ate a lot of it. Right. <laughs> you're yeah. like, this is going to work. And then they refuse it the next day. And it doesn't right. work. And you feel so defeated as a parent. You're, you're thinking, yes. what did I do wrong? Like, right. how did I mess up my child? They're only nine months old. I haven't even had this baby for a year and I've already like messed up the baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard. How do you begin? Like, how do you begin to create a good eating pathway for your child? Right. Well, you know, there's a lot of things we can do when kids are really young. And I am always hesitant to say you can prevent picky eating because you cannot prevent all forms of picky eating. Picky eating is very complex. And I think one of the ideas out there is if I just wean my baby right, I can prevent picky eating. And that's just not true. And I always want to say that because as 
moms, especially, we hear these messages that we're responsible for what our children are right now. And we can certainly do things to help our kids eat better, but that doesn't mean we can prevent everything. So we can expose our kids to a lot of foods in their first year of life. We can expose them to a lot of different textures and flavors. We can let them get messy. We can do all, all these sorts of things like exposure, exposure to all the different things. And whether that's puree feeding or baby led weaning, you could do both successfully. The, the key is, and, and yes, like you said, you, you can have your 15 month old who's like prior to that, she ate every single thing, but then there's something that developmentally happens with your child around 12 months to 24 months and, and older as well. They begin to be scared of new things. And this is an important developmental milestone, but it's Mm -hmm. also hard for us because all of a sudden they may start to be afraid of new foods. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we went from our kid who ate everything to our kid who eats five foods. That's not your fault. That's a developmental thing for your child. And that's the point at which our parenting style really comes into play. How are we actually structuring feeding in our house so that we can navigate that transition without making it worse? And there's a couple things that we need. I always call them the four mealtime rules. And this is what I talk about in my free picky eater guide that I have. But basically, you need to let your child decide whether they're going to eat and how much they're going to eat. And you as the parent need to step back and provide the structure for that mealtime. And you are going to decide what's going to be served. You're going to decide where it's going to be served. And you're going to decide when it is going to be served. You are in charge of the structure as a parent and the child's decide in charge of their body. Now, this is based on the, what's called the division of responsibility in child feeding. But I kind of like put it in these terms. And when you do those things, you can really stop enabling your child's picky eating and help them learn to like food at their own pace as they mature. So what if they like really are choosing not to eat it? Yeah. So that's the scary part. And that's where we often swoop in to rescue them and enable their picky eating. So let's say my child is choosing not to eat dinner. And this is scary for me. Like in real life, this is really scary for me. If my child chooses not to eat because I know that he might actually have some medical like repercussions Mm -hmm. for not choosing to eat. He doesn't have much of a margin, you know, but here's the thing. When he doesn't eat, I give him that space. And instead of trying to encroach on his job, which is to to decide whether or not to eat, I take on my job as the parent who chooses what to serve. And you know what I serve at all the meals and snacks all day long? I choose to only serve high calorie foods. Because I know Mm. that my child may choose not to eat at a meal. And if Uh I give him only high calorie options and I add calories to every single bite that he eats, everything is covered in dip or butter or has a, uh, you know, a high fat or high protein side and everything is really nutrient dense for him. I don't have to worry as much if he chooses not to eat a snack. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Wow. I never thought of that, but that makes so much sense. They're also, yeah. Cause then they're getting, they're actually, they are eating richly and like protein and fats and stuff. And then you, yeah, you don't have to think about if they're not getting that in some other area. Like my mom will be like, do you want pretzels? And then she, she'll be like, Oh, do you want some peanut butter with your pretzels? And like, sometimes Bella will do it. And sometimes she won't. And I always was like, 
okay, mom. But now I'm like, oh, that was really smart, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes our moms really know something. <laughs> Thank you. But that's the key, right? We can within our, our jobs, like my job is to provide the food for you because I'm the adult and I actually know a little bit about nutrition or I can learn about nutrition, right? Our kids, they don't know anything. They're just like, Oh, pretzel, salt, yum. Let me fry goldfish. But to a kid who's not gaining weight or to a kid who doesn't, isn't eating enough. When we let them choose what to eat and we say, what do you want for snack? Well, of course they're going to say goldfish because duh, goldfish are delicious. <laughs> the problem is they don't have as many nutrients. They don't have the fat. They don't have the protein. And yet the toddlers fill up their little stomachs on that. And then, you know, they come to the next meal and they're not really hungry. And so they don't eat. And then they're like, but mommy, 10 minutes later, but mommy, I'm so hungry. What, well, what do you want? I want more goldfish. And then we right. end up feeding them goldfish all day. And you know, I don't fault any parent for doing that. I get it. It's tough to feed a toddler. Yeah. But when we're really, when we want to take the harder but better route and say, okay, you know what? It's actually not my toddler's job to decide what to eat because they would eat goldfish all day. Instead, it's my job as the parent to give them what I say is is a balanced meal. And you know what? I'm not even going to give her an option of whether or not there's peanut butter on her plate. In fact, I may see if she can just tolerate pretzels that have already all been dipped in peanut butter. Ah, smart. You know, that one smarter. step further. I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you can see if you have a very opinionated child and they're very picky and they don't like their foods touching, that may not fly. And you can, you can kind of feel it out with your child, but it might fly and it's worth a shot to give them mm-hmm. exactly what you want them to eat and then let them choose. And, you know, maybe she's like, mommy, I know eat peanut butter today and that's fine. Uh-huh. And that's, that's cool. You know what your body needs. <laughs> just, cool. just let them have it. You know, maybe she only wants to eat strawberries at that, at that meal. And you just say, okay, you don't have to make it a battle. But then at the next meal, guess what's there? All those high calorie foods again, all Uh that dip again. You know, I drench everything in avocado oil. Mm, And so if they only eat the noodles, guess what? They also got a hundred calories of avocado oil on the side, you know? So smart. So smart. Do you have like a kid should eat? Well, I mean, if they won't eat, they won't eat, but there should be a certain amount of vegetables on a plate versus fruit versus carbs versus, I don't know. Do you have anything like that? That's like the go-to. Yeah. So what I like to do is I don't focus as much on portion sizes instead, because again, I'm coming at this from, it's really the child's job to decide their portion sizes, but it's our Mm -hmm. job to decide what's there. So I like to make sure there's a fruit and or vegetable at every meal and snack. I like to make sure that there's a protein and fat because they do need that fat for their brain development. They do need that protein Mm. and that fat to keep them full. This is also going to help prevent that. Mommy, I'm hungry 10 minutes after the snack. And then I like to make sure there's what I like to call an energy source. So that would be some sort of starchy food. So a grain, um, fruit can sometimes be that, but something that's going to give them calories because they need calories. You know, they, we can't, 
vilify carbs with children because they need energy to like, you know, exist and grow and thrive. Yeah. Yeah. So having, making sure that, that those things are there and whether that's like a yogurt that has fat and protein with a little bit of fruit on the side or crackers and cheese and a few little shredded carrots or whatever that is, we just want to make sure they are getting that fat and protein. They are getting that energy they need and they are getting a little bit of color. If nothing else, them for exposure so that they can learn to like all the different kinds of food. Um, I have a question. So how do you, if your child is like throwing a fit, say about their food on their plate and they don't want it and your spouse and you may have different approaches, sure. <laughs> Yep. like my <laughs> husband comes from the idea of like, well, I want you to at least take one bite. And I, I don't like that rule. And I'm how do you, how do you re appropriately respond to your child if they're saying that they're not going to eat those foods and they're, and you're trying to encourage, you just don't respond. You just let them choose like you were saying. Sure. So in that scenario, my recommendation and more of the evidence-based recommendation here is not to force a child to eat a certain amount or, or anything. Now, the one bite rule, that is a very interesting rule. It is used successfully and not successfully in different cultures, different families, different parts of the world. So I like to come at it from the position of, is this working for you? There are some families who have successfully created a culture within their family where everybody just tries food. It's no big deal. It's just, oh, we all try food. Most of the time, I find people are asking me about this one bite rule because World War III is breaking out every time they invoke this one bite rule. Mm -hmm. And instead of it fostering curiosity and adventure and fun in the family, it's causing battle after battle after battle. In that case, my recommendation is look, the one bite rule is not working. So let's find something that might work. And I find the fastest way to end food battles in any family is to say to the kid, oh, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. Because guess what happens? There's nothing for them to battle you over. You just told them mm. they didn't have to eat it. You gave them exactly which, what they wanted, which was control over their own body. And you didn't make it a big deal. And instead, you sit there and eat your salad. Or you know what? Don't even give them the salad on their plate. Just put it on your own plate. Oh my gosh, this is the best salad. I have. Oh had yeah, why do they do that? Oh, yum. Mmm, this is so good. So when you model eating something and enjoying it, and you're and they want it from your yeah. plate. They're like, why didn't you give me any? Well, I don't think. Yeah. You well, I want yours. <laughs> Yes. And then next thing you know, your child's eating salad. The other day I made baked potatoes for the first time in a really long time. So long that my kids have forgotten they'd ever had it. Oh my and, gosh. And it was so weird. I was like, when was the last time I made baked potatoes? Turns out, I don't know, two years ago. So I made them, I put them on the table and my son says, ew, yuck. That is <gasps> disgusting. And I said, I said, well, you don't have to eat it. I put it on my plate. It was literally the best potato I had had in, in years. It was so good. And I, I put butter on it and I'm enjoying it. And I was verbal, like I was enjoying it publicly because it was so good. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like a candy potato. And I say to my husband, you have to try this. It's so, so, so good. Now I'm not trying to pressure my kids, but next thing you know, my five-year-old is like candy potato. <laughs> <laughs> and my other son 
just kind of on the side, I see him take a bite and he was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And by then the five-year-old is thinking, oh, well, I should probably try it too. And he did. And now we all have this joke that potatoes are candy potatoes and they, and we've been enjoying them together. So I think more of it is modeling. It's letting the battles go. It's having fun together and focusing on the connection with your child instead of focusing on, did they actually try the potato? Because sure, I probably could have forced my five-year-old to try it, but then we would have had this battle. And instead we now have a family joke. We all ate potatoes and he's more likely to try potatoes now because you had a good experience for me. Um, because I mean, I know this happens with boys too, but my daughter is three and I want my daughter to have a healthy relationship with food Mm -hmm. because of, I mean, little kids as young as like eight now can have eating disorders. And so when my husband's like, you must eat one bite before you can get down, it panics me as a mother because I want my daughter to have I want her to be able to intuitively eat and I want her to have a healthy relationship with food. So me, I just like, like, I'm like, don't say that because, but then I don't know if I'm in the wrong. No, I mean, you're, you're actually on the side of what research suggests is the best way to feed kids. The problem is we have to acknowledge that so many of us grew up in families where we had to finish our plate and we had to take a bite of everything. And so why would we not parent in the same way that we were parented. So I think the challenge is realizing that parents are coming from different places. We can't really, like, I don't judge your husband for having that, that instinct to make the kids taste a bite because maybe that's how he grew up. And maybe that's how he thinks he had a bigger palate. And, and maybe that was really helpful for him. So I think coming back from the table, we have to have these conversations with our partners away from the table because in the moment, I mean, I don't want to be having a parenting discussion with my husband in front of my kids. We try to be on the same page Mm -hmm. so that we can actually, you know, be consistent parents the best that we can. And we're by far, we're not perfect, but my husband and I had had a lot of conversations away from the table where I said, Hey, you know, here's what I'm learning in this book that I'm reading about child feeding. This is when, you know, our, our oldest one was a baby. Like, here's what I'm reading. What do you think? This is different from the way that both of us were raised. Can we try this? Now, I think in my case, it's different because I'm a dietitian. He was like, well, you're kind of the expert in this. Okay, I'll give it a shot. But he did it grudgingly. Like the way that we handle dessert, he was like, that doesn't sound right to me. And I was like, well, yeah, it's pretty different from my instinct too. Can we try it? Can we try this one little thing and see how it goes? And so we kind of did it that way. It was like, let's try this little thing, see how it goes and reevaluate. And next thing you know, our toddler was turning down cake and taking one bite of the cupcake and leaving the rest. And now my husband is the biggest advocate of serving dessert with a meal because he knows that it works because he's seen it because he was willing to try something just to see how it goes for a little bit of time. You know, is that because it's not making the dessert feel like it's forbidden? It's just there. Is that, or they're like waiting for it? Right. So a lot of times the thing is eat eat one bite of dinner to get your dessert. And so we do two things. We teach kids not to listen to their body. And then we also teach them that dessert is so much better than everything else. And we're so excited. And then we make a big deal out of it. Oh my gosh, you got dessert. You ate your three bites. You finished your plate. Here's your dessert. What we're teaching them is food is less exciting. Dessert is more exciting. The best that we also teach them, you know, ignore what your body tells you just to get this reward 
And what we end up with is a dessert obsessed kid who's eating too much or too little for their body because they've lost touch with their internal cues. Mm -hmm. And if we find ourselves in that position where our kid is obsessed with dessert and they're they're asking, how many more bites? How many more did I tell I get my dessert or all dinner long? Dessert, dessert, dessert. When's dessert? When's dessert? <laughs> like the easiest way to shut that down is to serve, a, you know, three M&Ms with their meal for a couple of days in a row and not say anything. Just put it on the plate and don't say anything. And, you know, the first couple of days are just like, oh my gosh, M&Ms. And they're shoving them in their mouth and then maybe they throw a tantrum because they want more But what we find is when we use this dessert with a meal over time, and it depends on how old the kid is as to how long it will actually take for them to kind of get over their obsession. But as they learn that it's just M&Ms and they're just there on the plate, then they lose their obsession to a large degree. And they maybe they eat all of them. Maybe they leave some of them. Maybe sometimes they eat them first, maybe sometimes they eat them last, but they learn to become competent eaters around all different sorts of food. Huh, man. Interesting. I'm learning like, I'm learning like so much. <laughs> I know, me too. Okay, guys, let's take a break really quick and hear from one of our sponsors. I was going to ask, okay, so last night we were sitting at dinner and we've kind of, you know, we started doing like vegetable cutters that like make cute shapes and you know, I know you have the, it's like broccoli or trees, which my mom also started that. I need to listen to my mom more. Um, (laughs) and so we've encouraged this like playfulness with food, but then last night, Bella, her plate was just like an absolute disaster zone. And I don't even know if she really ate anything on her plate. It was more just like a mound of like mush and squished up everything. Mm -hmm. When do you know it's like gone too far or is that just like, okay, because they're experimenting? Like, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. So there's a couple of things here. So first, I like to try to prevent food waste as much as possible. And I I really focus on small, giving the child small amounts of food. So if, if there's a food, you know, your child isn't really into, let's say it's a pea, let's say peas, instead of giving them like a quarter of a cup of peas, just give them one pea. And they can okay. play with it and they can squish it and they can rub it all over their face and put it in their <laughs> hair. Like, who cares what they do with that pee? But I'm not going to feel guilty about wasting one pee. Yes. Whereas I okay. would feel bad if they wasted a quarter of a cup of peas and maybe I could have eaten that or put it in my lunch or whatever. Right. So start with start with really small portions. Like an exposure portion is the size of your pinky, you know, fingernail. It's small. And, and yeah, sometimes you're going to, you're going to miss the mark. And I think as parents, if we have the food, it can be easy for us to kind of think, well, if I put it there, maybe they'll eat it all. And so Mm -hmm. we have these wishful portion sizes. Oh, totally. And then, you know, they take the mashed potatoes and they, they make a volcano and they play with it and touch it and rub it all over (laughs) the plate. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, that's actually really good for their sensory system to get used to having food all over their body. It helps them eat better later. So the more we let our kids get messy, and I know it's, I know it's a lot of work and I know it's a mess and I know that spaghetti in their hair is real pain, (laughs) but it's so good for them. It's so good for their sensory system. It helps them eat more textures and flavors later. So I always encourage parents, like, I know it's hard, but they do grow out of it. It does end and do the best you can letting them get messy 
and experiment with their food and things like that. Now, if they're taking their food and they are rubbing it all over their sibling and they're making an enormous mess of the next step at the wall. I mean, that's when you step in and say, this is not acceptable behavior. We're going to end it. We're going to start it over (laughs) at snack time. Right. Okay. Okay. So I have a question now that we're bringing up snacks too. So what about for all the parents out there whose kids are just super snacky and they just want to snack all day and they don't want to sit down to eat meals? How do you handle that? Yeah. So I would go back and remember what's your job as a parent? Your job as a parent is to decide when kids eat. It's not the kid's job. So if you have a kid asking for snacks all day long, that's um, of course they're going to ask for snacks all day long. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I'd love to live on granola right. bars too. But the thing is, they don't know what they need and what they really need to eat a more nutritious diet, to eat the right amount for their body, to make sure they're eating enough. What they need is a mealtime routine or a mealtime schedule. And that means you have three meals a day scheduled. And, you know, maybe you're not a by the clock family and that's fine, but you have your three meal routine. You have your snacks. Maybe your family needs one snack a day. Maybe they need three snacks a day. You know, I don't recommend any more than six eating opportunities max in a day for any child. Three meals, three snacks is the max. And, And some kids don't need a snack. And if that's your kid, that's fine too. I find most young children need at least one snack and three meals a day. So you can just figure out what works for your family. But one of the things that I find is challenging for parents and why kids are asking for those snacks is they're not providing a high fat and protein snack. Like the snack is goldfish crackers, which the kids just burn through in 45 minutes and then they are hungry. So instead of serving just goldfish, you can serve goldfish, an apple and a cheese stick and you get the fat, the protein, you got the color and you got the energy there. And I know that takes a little bit longer, but then you're not going to have your kid coming back to you in 10 minutes asking for a snack. Uh, What are your like favorite dips to add protein to a kid's meal? Or snack. Yeah. So any sort of um, nut or seed butter. Now with a really little toddlers, you don't want to give them chunks of nut or seed butter because it can be a choking hazard, but you could do like a thin spread on, on, on a piece of fruit or a thin spread on toast or something like that. But anything with nut or seed butter, hummus is great. Guacamole, any sort of like bean dip. There's all sorts of bean dips that you can create. And you know what, even something like ranch, dressing, just make sure you get the one with that fat in it. You don't want a fat free ranch mm-hmm. dressing because then it's just flavor without the fat. Ew, also, who would right. eat that? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Yeah. So you want those high calorie dressings for your kid. You don't want a low fat dressing for your child. Um, so yeah, that, that ranch dressing isn't going to provide a lot of fat, but, or it's not going to provide a lot of protein, but it will provide the fat. And then you gotcha. can add a little protein food on the side or even something like making your own dip with full fat Greek yogurt instead of sour cream. Sour cream is great too. It's a great source of fat, but the Greek yogurt, the full fat Greek yogurt would also have protein. So just making sure whatever you buy, especially for toddlers, make sure it's full fat, make sure you're you're providing that dip and, you know, things like ketchup or mustard or, you know, whatever your favorite dip is, those are fun too. just make sure that you're adding on something like a, like a protein source that has some fat. If the kids aren't getting a high fat dip. I'm totally going to incorporate that. 
So I, I have, I have one last question for say the parents out there that have done everything wrong <laughs> and say they're trying to like retrain their children's palates. Is that possible to get your children to start eating correctly? Absolutely. And you know, I always like to remind parents, there's no one right way to eat. There's no, there's no way if you care and you're working on your relationship with your child and you're loving your child, there's no way that you could do this wrong. You can't be a failure of a parent just based on what your child is eating. It's really your child's job to learn to eat a wide variety of foods over the course of their life. And you can create an environment to help them learn at their own pace. So if you start implementing this structure of you, the parent being in charge of what is served and making sure you're starting to incorporate more foods that your child may be eating and you're allowing your child to decide whether to eat and how much, all of these things have a huge impact on your child. They can improve your relationship with your child. They can reduce your stress. And then they can also give your child the structure they need to learn to eat more foods over time. It's just going to take time, right? Like kids take a lot of exposures. My child took three and a half years of exposures to tomatoes before he ate one and actually swallowed it. Mm. <laughs> three and a half years. And That's I thought, so funny. Wow, I have really won, right? I, <laughs> Seriously. Tomatoes are delicious. And we did it, but it took a lot of time. And yeah. some kids are just going to need more time than other kids. So for everybody out there, I know so many people are going to want to get all of your tips and all of your instructions. So where can they find you everywhere? Sure. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, you know, all the, all the fun places at Kids Eat in Color. And if you want, if you're really thinking, okay, this all sounds good, but now I've heard way too much and my mind is kind of like exploded and I want it all in one place where I can just kind of say, okay, like what are the mealtime rules? What am I shooting for? How do I know if my picky eater is maybe has a problem and it's not just like normal picky eating. Mm -hmm. If you want all that, I have a free child feeding guide slash picky eater guide that really goes into all those details and makes it really easy to start implementing this stuff. That's amazing. I mean, this is this podcast is going to help so many people. It's already helping me. I know. I, I know everybody's just going to have those light bulbs going off. Like, yeah, oh I God, feel enlightened yes. on a lot of things. And it's yeah, nice to totally. just hear, like you said, that there isn't like, there's no way you can do it wrong if you're just trying, but there are tips that you can use. Yeah. And it just makes me, right. I feel like, cause as parents, we want to make sure our kids are eating as healthy as possible because we want them to be having as much nutrition and that they're growing and thriving. And it's so hard and frustrating. And we take it out on ourselves when our children are so picky. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so nice. Thank you so much for coming on and providing all this information. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great. That was so informative. It's just, it's been so hard with Bella lately, just because really she just doesn't want to eat, but she will, she does love dip and she loves like pretzels and she loves carrots and she loves things, but she just, if I'm giving her like a, a snack of cucumbers, like she does love cucumbers, but she's like, she's not getting anything with that. You know what I mean? No calories. So I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Dips. That is yeah. a great answer. <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, I want to check out her free guide because like where I'm at right now is Brooks is eating now. He's completely off his formula. And so now he's just straight eating. Yeah. And he doesn't like cow's milk. 
And so he's just eating foods and drinking water. And so now I'm trying to like line up. How do I give him a meal and Emmy a meal? And I'm not like being the short order cook where I'm making a meal right. for Brooks, a meal for Emmy, and then a meal for me and Tanner. And so, um, I'm hoping that like, if I follow her rules that we can start to see like some changes and it won't make me like I never sit down for a meal. I'm always like a chicken with my head cut off running oh, me around. Too. I'm just standing. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but she was great. I really loved all the information she gave. She was so informative, like you said, and just so many, so many good tips and just coming from like a really like, I don't know, gentle place with people, you know, she was, yes. she seemed very respectful. Yeah. It's nice to hear that. Like you're doing okay. It's, it's yeah, okay it could be, that your kid it could doesn't want to eat, but here's some tips to help. Maybe they might yeah. work. Like, you know, the yeah. dessert one's interesting too. I'm going to try that tonight because Bella is like, I mean, my parents obviously own like a candy shop. So Bella is like obsessed with desserts. Yeah. Oh, I think all little toddlers are. They're like sugar. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. And you know, like <laughs> the grandparents like bring home all the things. I'm like, mom, stop bringing home candy. Oh my gosh. Every but, time. But, but Bella, when she walks in the room, like if she comes over, my mom comes over to, for dinner, Bella goes, what you, what do you have? And she's like always wanting like something from the shop. I'm like, oh gosh. So That's bad. so funny. That's like a grandparent's role though. You know, they love. I know, but still. I know. Tanner's mom, without a doubt, every time she takes Emmy, they go for ice cream. I mean, that's oh just what they do. And I'm just like, that's oh really my cute, gosh. Though. But um, I do love following Jennifer's Instagram because it does offer so many tips like that, like including six little M&Ms and on the plate. And it's just really, she offers so many different meal plans and selections you can serve. So everyone make sure you go out and follow her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but thank you guys again for tuning in and listening and please rate us five stars. If you feel like it, we'd love you for it. It helps us and helps others, other moms find the podcast. So, and make sure you're sharing this with your friends too. You never know who this may help. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We really love you and we appreciate you. Give yourself a good old pat on the back for being awesome. <laughs> yeah. we're in this thing together all right we well, are we'll see you guys next week and thank you so much all right bye bye from, from the westwood, westwood one podcast, podcast network, network.